Mom's ICU, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Let's be friends. Welcome to I See You. This is episode 37, My Single Mom. Hello, friends. I had an incredible opportunity. I actually just interviewed on Tony Overbay's podcast called The Virtual Couch. He's a licensed therapist. His podcast, The Virtual Couch, is amazing. I love it. I got to be a guest on it last week, and it is episode 123. I'll leave a link to it in the comments if you want to check it out. I cry a lot on it, probably more than I ever have on here, which is usually a good sign that I'm being honest, but it was really meaningful. I get a lot of questions about my journey with being humble and taking medicine and just using all the resources I need to to live a a happy life with susceptibility to anxiety and depression. We're going to read the review from No More Nicknames, LOL, Me Too, five stars. It says, I just read Soaking Up the Goodnesses review and realized that was practically what I was going to say. I love your podcast. Keep up with the good work. No more nicknames. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Appreciate ratings and reviews. I'm going to have to get some more reviews on here or else I'm going to run out of ones to feature. So get on that, people. So get on that. You've written a review, haven't you? I have. You're a good man. If you want to support the podcast, go to the website, icpodcast.com, and you can click on support the podcast and find out how to there. Mark, our moment is here. Mark Hopper. People ever make fun of you with like a grasshopper or anything? Interesting story. <laughs> when I was in college, I had a professor who couldn't pronounce my name right. So I made a saying. I said, it's Hopper, H-O-P-P-E-R, as in grass. And he never forgot it. And so I always tell people that and they never forget my last name. That's awesome. It's Mark not Hooper Hopper. from Sesame Street. That's two O's. I have two P's, one right. O. Hopper, like grasshopper. Mark is an awesome fan. And he is here today because he's going to highlight single moms. Let's just get to know you a little bit. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Originally grew up in Colorado. I'm married. I have five children. I have one son and four daughters. So been a lot of estrogen in our house over the years. (laughs) And I've been married for coming up on 27 years. I came to school here in Utah, met a girl from Utah just down the road from here in a town called Spanish Fork. That's all she wrote. Do you want to tell them how we know each other? Yes, I do. (laughs) I was hoping you'd ask me that. How do we know each other, Mark? I believe, if I've got my episodes right, it was episode 24 where you talked to David Wetzel. At the time, you were attending a Crucial Conversations course at a company called Vital Smarts. We're I'm... not being paid to talk about Vital Smarts. <laughs> well, it's just naturally coming up. Yeah, you know? I, I actually was in that class and you were sitting across the table from me. So that's how we met. Somehow the subject of the ICU podcast. Uh... David Wetzel embarrassed me really bad is what he did. Yeah. And so I'm like, that's right up my alley of where my life is. It has been the last few years. So I started listening to it and couldn't stop. Now, interesting reason I got excited you asked me that question (laughs) was in that class, there was a moment where you and I looked at each other and I felt a connection. And I thought it was because you may have worked at Vital Smarts and we talked, you know, I was brand new to the company. But then it became obvious that you didn't. I kind of wondered, well, what was that? And it was because of your podcast. I needed to listen to that. It was crazy, but no, that's how we know. That's so cool. I I didn't know that. I'm not even sure my wife even knows that. That's neat. Good moment where you're like, huh, something clicked. Yes. Cool. And it was before I even knew about the podcast. Wow. 
That's awesome. Pretty sure David Wetzel just totally embarrassed me. He was like, everybody, there's someone in this room that da 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 And I just <laughs> had my head down with my baseball hat like, oh my gosh, please stop. <laughs> he was the trainer there. You were super cool about it. So thanks for being here. And thanks for just being a fan and all the positive feedback. Tell us about growing up with a single mom. I grew up as an only child of a single mother pretty much my entire life. My parents divorced when I was one. I did have a relationship with my father growing up, but for the most part, I had a single mom. There were few years early on in my childhood where my mother had remarried, but that didn't last very long. Frankly, I don't remember a lot about that. All I know is growing up with a single mom. I don't have the stories of the trauma of the divorce and those aspects because my life has always been a little bit weird. Christmas was always spent between my dad, my mom, and my grandmother on my dad's side. That was normal to me. Having my mom work, I was a kind of a latchkey. That seemed normal to me. There was really no traumatic change that happened in my life. Actually, I feel pretty blessed in that way from them, that aspect. And to me, how I grew up was normal. Now, there were some advantages to that. Frankly, I'm probably a little bit spoiled. <laughs> um, it was just me and my mom, so if I wanted to do something, usually I got my way, those kind of things. It was good. I, I have some really interesting memories of being five o'clock in the morning and driving in my mom's yellow Pinto. It's dark outside going to the preschool or the babysitter. You know, I think I was a preschool, these memories. And we would stop every morning at the 7-Eleven and buy me a package of powdered donuts and a carton of chocolate milk. Yeah. Those are some good times there. You know, we did everything together. So there was that aspect. As I grew older, I think there was some challenging aspects of not having, you know, a father in, in the home. I had one in my life, but in the home, you know, my mom didn't go out and she isn't into sports. So that just really didn't hit in my life. So whereas friends whose dads coach their teams, I didn't have any of that. I don't really regret that. When I've reflected as an adult back on there, I've realized some difficulties in some of the communities that I participate in, sometimes that can be challenging, particularly in a religious sense. So you and I share the same Christian beliefs and the same religion. Now, just for the listeners, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the family, unit of the family is super important to us. That becomes difficult when you're a young kid and they talk about that and some of the concepts and beliefs about families being together forever. You know, a man and woman are sealed forever and children are sealed to the parents. That didn't apply to me. There was some difficulty. That's uh, tough. From that perspective. But at the end of the day, to me, it was a normal childhood. I had a good childhood. I have, you know, great memories. I've learned a lot from that perspective. One thing I tell people all the time is I could wear the same clothes to high school every single day and they would be clean every day because my mom would do the laundry every day. <laughs> wow. As an adult, that has some disadvantages because, <laughs> because I'm... <laughs> poor boy. <laughs> because I am not the most tidy person. You know, there's some challenges that way that I personally have because I took advantage of the situation as a teenager. Teenagers do that. Yeah, they so do. It's good. I mean, I have no trauma from the single mother aspect of my childhood. How was it for your mom? How did your mom handle things? My mom did the best she could. And in my opinion, she did amazing. Growing up, my mom was, in, in today's terminology, she would have been an executive assistant. Back in the day, it was called a secretary. I grew up in the 70s and 80s. The stereotypical secretary type position, that's kind of where my mom's life. 
she had to make ends meet. I remember for years we lived with another single lady and her son. They're a part of my life. We had to do that kind of thing. And, but my mom never let that drag her down with improving her life. And so I remember my mom not only became a real estate agent, but she became a broker for a portion of that. That was in the in the 80s. But if anybody's familiar with the 80s and the savings and loan crisis, that kind of fell away. And so she went back to what she knew, being an executive assistant. But over the years, she finally put herself through college, got her bachelor's degree. She got an MBA later. And then she was a very successful commercial banker for Wells Fargo. She retired from Wells Fargo. She's too busy. She's too on the ball with her life. So she uh, she now runs a program for international MBA students at Brigham Young University in the School of Business. It's a source of pride. You know, the single mom that really had nothing worked her way up to be a very successful person. That's incredible. I don't know how many times Rob and I have looked at each other and been like, how do single parents do it? Yeah. When you have to tap out for a second and you're like, okay, it's your turn because I'm, I'm going to strangle these children. It's purely the emotional exhaustion. And so that alone to me, I just, I can't imagine. Can't imagine. Yeah. And, and frankly, I can't either, right? I, I grew up in that, but I am the same way. I remember our second child when she was born, we had a almost three-year-old and then a, a newborn and remember specifically one night where my wife was at the end of a rope and it was the middle of the night. She handed me the baby and said, you need to take this. I, I can't do it anymore. And single parents can't do that. It's amazing the resiliency of a human has. And sometimes we're taxed to be resilient. In your story, there are times when you've been taxed to be resilient. And here you are today with a super successful podcast. I learned last week that it's being self-sustaining at this point. How yeah. exciting is that? And so exciting. How resilient. I think everybody is resilient, but single parents, sometimes they have to be resilient faster than the rest of us. They have a special place in heaven, I think. Were there people in your life that showed you and your mom compassion or connected with you that made that lifestyle easier? Absolutely. A few people that come to mind. One would be my youth group leaders in, in my church congregation. My church congregation sponsored a Boy Scout troop. So over the years, I had various scout masters that took me under the wing. I remember one scout master, he, in some conversation, realized that I would like to go hunting but I had no way to do that because my mom didn't hunt. And so he took me hunting. We, we went pheasant hunting. That meant a lot. Our church congregation did these father and son outings once a year. And over the years, various men took me as their son. And, and that showed compassion on me because, again, I didn't have that male role model in my life on a day-to-day -day basis. Like I said, I had a relationship with my dad, but on a day-to-day -day basis, that just wasn't there. There was this couple and they would visit us at least once a month and make sure that my mom and I were okay to uh, show that they cared and they loved us and they invited us. And at one point he gave my mother a chance to work for his company. He ran an oil gas exploration company in the early eighties. He had a lot of money, but you wouldn't tell. He drove a Jeep. He always invited us and treated us so, so good. There were youth my age that showed compassion on me and, and accepted me I had a friend named Michelle, and she made me feel normal. She made me feel likable. I had another friend, Pam, who I grew up with. She made me feel the same way. It made me feel like I was worth something in times in my life when I didn't feel like I was worth something. While my life was normal, I, I did have issues that I struggled with. One thing I see you know, that showed compassion is, in a roundabout way, your podcast. 
you know, there's certain episodes that have touched my life and I know they touch other people's lives and it's allowed me to ponder and think and basically just kind of accept some things that, that I've dealt with throughout my life and several of your episodes have directly affected me. In an odd way, you've seen me through your podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad. There's so many things I'm bad at. <laughs> it's so nice to feel like I can use something to help other people. Yeah, and you do. You you literally do. So I, I know you're a big fan of therapy. I was talking to my therapist the other day. I brought some things up that I really haven't told anybody. Maybe my wife, but I brought it up. And the reason I brought it up was they were never, ever addressed outside my brain. It's conversations like this, these real convert, these vulnerable conversations that, that help all of us. And it's helped me tremendously. Me too. It helps me too. It's therapeutic, right? How have your experiences given you empathy for other people? I happen to see people, particularly single mothers, in a different light. This is my background. I see this. And, and so I know some of the struggles that my mother dealt with. It's allowed me to be empathetic towards other single women, connect with them and have compassion for them. But more importantly, and, and I think this is part of compassion, I truly do, is celebrate with them. Growing up, from my perspective, I'm not sure I saw people celebrating us, my mother and I, as much as could have. Now, that could have been just my perception. That could have been somewhat reality. I don't know. But that perception has allowed me to celebrate. So let me kind of give you a couple examples. Yeah, please do. This gentleman and his wife ended up getting divorced. You know, given the story, I really empathized with this guy's wife. I felt bad for her in the situation. So we fast forward a few years. I'm working for this company. I'm now working with this gentleman's wife. One day I couldn't hold it anymore. I went to her, her name was Lisa. And I'm like, I just want you to know, I know your backstory and I've been on Team Lisa a long, long time. She kind of smiled and she kind of got what I was saying there. The thing is, she's an amazing woman. She took care of her family. She has three gorgeous children. When I would see her kids or pictures of her kids, you could see the happiness in their life and the love that existed in their home. And that's not always easy as a single parent. We've talked a little bit about some of those things. And so sometimes, particularly when a divorce happens in an adolescence age, a lot of times that's not the case. So I noticed that of all the possible outcomes to see these kids shine, it's just a testament to her. Been able to celebrate those things with her. But on the same note, I acknowledge that it's not easy. The story is very similar to my story. The compassion in me allows me to celebrate with them. I love that. The compassion allows you to celebrate. I've never thought of it like that. Yes, it absolutely does. Another example is I was a leader in my youth group of my church congregation, and I had this young boy. He loved pigeons. A single mom in the middle of a divorce. I had the opportunity to be this 14-year-old youth leader. I got to know the family, and, and again, I connected in a way because of my experience. Because you'd lived it. Because I'd lived that. It was just a connection that, that our family and their family seemed to have. And my background gives me the ability to empathize with people in a certain way, and it happens to be single moms. I tend to see them. I was able to celebrate with her after being in our neighborhood for a few years. She ended up remarrying and she had a bunch of kids and her new husband had a bunch of kids. I think they had 10 to 12 kids between them. I've been able to celebrate with them and celebrate this other family that I, I don't know. They live in my town, but on the other side and, and I can celebrate with them. And that's because of that connection. And, you know, you talk about connection and compassion save lives. And I firmly believe that it allows us to also celebrate not only 
only do we need compassion in the hard times, I think we absolutely need that, but it allows us to celebrate with these people and really have joy in their joy. And that makes me happy. Poof, light bulb moment for me. Compassion and celebrating. What are some ways to see a single parent family? What are things that people can do when they don't know what to do? I've thought about this. I've listened to, I think, 39-ish episodes, <laughs> um, so I know what these are coming. Did you do the storybook episodes in there, oh, too? Oh, absolutely. Oh, you're the and best. I've got awesome. a book, so maybe someday you'll allow me to be on there. <laughs> the couple things. One, treat single parents and their family as you would treat any other family. When I was growing up, I don't think it was as common to have single parent families as it is today. So that's my first one, is treat them normally. And hopefully I can mold these two because they, they seem on the surface to be contradictory. The other thing is you need to be cognizant of their situation. For example, if you are teaching a small children Sunday school class, I think it's important to understand that some of kids may have a different home structure. To me, that doesn't mean you need to not talk about certain topics. You just need to be cognizant of how those topics are talked about. I remember going home and saying, mom, what's going to happen to us after we die? We can't be sealed because you're not married, right? I remember that conversation. I also remember whatever my mom said calmed my heart and I knew it was going to be okay and that God was going to make sure that we were okay as a family. That's a difficult conversation that not all parents may know how to handle. If you're having a gathering, invite the single parent and their family. I think it's important to bring families together. You want to do dinner or desserts or game night. Make sure the whole family's there, that the children are involved. Because that single parent may feel like a third or fifth wheel, depending on how many people there, right? If it's just them. If it's just them. That aspect can be completely remedied if you get to know them and become their friends. There were people that would invite my mom for dinner and she'd have no problem with that because they were friends. They knew each other. They trusted each other. Just be cognizant. You know, you've talked about, you know, and I think in the boundaries episode of, I know it wasn't boundaries because that was the latest one, but it was something similar where you don't have to fake a relationship or make the relationship go a certain direction if you don't have a relationship built up. Same thing applies here. And a lot of times single parents are sensitive with reason you know, that's part of empathy, right? Trying to realize that, yeah, there's reasons they're sensitive and just be cognizant of that. Try stuff, right? Show Don't, up. Show up. That's the better term than try stuff. I had a sign in my boss gave me that said try stuff once and I always come to mind, <laughs> but uh, show up is much better. Show, show up. up. I can relate to that on a different level. So I used to teach second grade and I thought about how we would do dads and donuts and how we would invite the dads to come early to school and have donuts and read with their kids. It was to promote literacy. And those are situations that teachers, even in a non-religious setting, you just got to be cognizant of. Absolutely. Because there are going to be kids there that don't have a dad at home. And it made me think about in a religious setting how, man, when I was struggling and not having babies for years, I hated sitting through those lessons on how motherhood is just the greatest thing ever and listening to all these moms complain about motherhood. I mean, and that doesn't mean that their pain wasn't real and that the lesson shouldn't be taught. But I so appreciated those lessons when they would say, now, if you aren't a mother, da, 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 right? I used to teach quite a bit in our Christian congregation to the women. And I hated when I would come up against those lessons about marriage or about motherhood, even though I have both of those blessings in my life. 
we all know what it feels like probably to feel like you don't quite fit the mold or something doesn't apply to you. And it's hard. I remember Stacey Harkey talking about that when he was talking about being gay. It's hard when you're just like, does this really apply to me? Do I really need to sit here and feel this dagger in my heart? And all of us try. We try to be humble and we try to be compassionate to people if they don't understand our situations. But man, we can do things to help them out, right? Especially kids. Especially. Yeah. And all it takes is, like you mentioned, sometimes it's just a phrase, a statement. It doesn't mean you don't have the conversation. It doesn't mean you don't teach it. I don't know how you handle dads and donuts, but just a simple phrase, hey, your mom can come. Your mom, your grandpa, your grandma. Most people, dads will probably come because we're calling it dads and donuts, but it really doesn't matter. Bring whoever. The kid sitting who's struggling, family struggling because dad left and he's sitting in the back of the room in the second grade class. Just be cognizant. If there's someone listening that is struggling as a single parent and they're really tired, what would you tell them? What would you be your message to them? Keep going. And you're doing a better job than you realize. I have relatives who are single parents or have been single parents. I've got friends that are single parents or have been single parents. It's hard. It's absolutely hard. But keep going and love your kids. And they they do. I'm not trying to say they don't, but you're going to have financial struggles. You're going to have custody struggles, all these things. You're going to be sensitive because you're a non-traditional even in today, it's still kind of a non-traditional family, right? That that brings some sensitivities to it. Those struggles are going to happen. Just know that there are people out there that see you and you're doing a better job than you realize. And the other thing is celebrate your victories. Celebrate. I sometimes think we don't celebrate our victories enough. It's not selfish or prideful to celebrate the good times in our life. And the other thing, I'll give this to anybody, not you know, single parents, non-single parents, non-parents, whatever. I think we as a human race need to figure out how we can celebrate each other and celebrate victories for each other because we need that badly. We need that compassion to celebrate with their wins. We need that connection. Thank you. I agree, obviously. (laughs) You said all the right things. Thanks for being here today. I've been looking forward to this since the day you mentioned it. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Next week, our very special guest is actually Tony Overbay himself from the virtual couch. He is going to be on here. I'm super excited. He's a busy dude and he will be tuning in all the way from California. So I can't wait. Make sure you don't miss it. And like I said, I will put in the episode notes that episode that I was on of his on the virtual couch. We kind of did a switcheroo. We wanted each other to be guests on our podcast. So make sure you check that out. Much love to you all. Thank you for listening. My name is Julie Lee and I see you 